Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Inconsequential that you are here today. You didn't make this moment three this decision three moments ago, but you you made this decision long ago. Some of you made the decision to be here years ago. <laughs> you decided years ago, I'm, I'm in, I'm all in. Just count me in. Amen. Doesn't matter how much the cost, how long the journey. Amen. Doesn't matter how much further. We're just going to go. We're just going to go. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to join me in 1 John 5. Let me begin by saying Happy Father's Day to all of our fathers that are in the house this morning. We thank you so much. As you know, for many, many years on Father's Day, we have received a special Father's Day offering, and we will be doing that in our second service. We will be receiving two offerings, our normal offering and then our Father's Day offering. And I want to thank our men in advance. You've always responded, and uh, for whoever may respond to the Father's Day offering, thank you for that. That goes a long way because it helps us in our men's ministry. And we have a tremendous district and we have a tremendous men's ministry. It's not, it is not a dormant function, but it is alive and well, and I'm thankful for that. And so would ask you to consider that today. Thank you so very much. That helps us in our, in our ability to reach around the world, not just here, but in our ability to reach beyond these four walls. And so we thank you for that in advance. The book of 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 4. We're going to continue today in a series that we started several weeks ago now. We've been talking about the fundamental principles that make up an apostolic church. I'm thankful that I'm apostolic today, aren't you? Amen. And uh, we've entitled this series Foundations because I think we need to consider what we're built upon. We're not built upon the whim of men the desires of trends and fads or fashions, but we're built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Amen, and I'm thankful for that. And so the Bible says in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. And so today I want to just talk to you this morning about living by faith. This is a journey of faith. We are walking by faith. There's an old song that says, we've come this far by faith. Amen. And we have indeed come this far by faith. I'm thankful for that privilege, and I want us to talk about that. We're going to consider several Bible characters this morning that have been a shining example to us, some of them named, some of them unnamed, but they have nevertheless been a shining example to us of walking by faith, stepping out, and I'm thankful for that. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. Faith pleases God. As a matter of fact, the writer of Hebrews says it in such a fashion that lets us know that without faith, it is impossible to please God. 
And so faith pleases God. Without faith, Simon Peter could not have preached that masterpiece on the day of Pentecost. I'm thankful that he didn't look at the ground. I'm thankful that he didn't uh, try to find somebody else to pin this off on when someone asked them, what must we do to be saved? I'm thankful that Simon Peter emphatically, along with the other 11 apostles, knew exactly how to answer that question to give them, those listeners, hope in their lives. A formula, if you please. If you will do this, God indeed will put you in a position to receive the power and the gift of the Holy Ghost. Without faith, John could not have given us the mysterious but beautiful drama that we refer to as the book of Revelation that closes out the Word of God. Take faith from our Christian experience. Take faith from a child of God, male or female, and you have robbed them of the essential characteristics that please God. We must have faith. Because faith is so essential, the Bible says that He has given to every man a measure of faith. So he didn't say you got to have faith in order to please me and now I'm going to hide it and you're just going to have to you're just going to have to try to treasure trove through life to find it but he said I'm going to give every man a measure of faith. And so I want you to know this morning that you are not faithless. Amen. You may not feel as though you're a giant of faith today but you are not faithless because he has given us a measure of faith. And so faith, have the, the faith that brought the ancient Hebrews to great heights, the faith that touched generations before us, is the same faith that you and I have in this present day church that can put us and place us in a revival that is immeasurable by dimension. I'm thankful for faith. Amen. I am thankful for the faith that God places in the church And I'm thankful for the men and women that are able to fan the coal of faith in their own life to believe, to reach out. And I would say today again that we have come this far by faith. As a matter of fact, to make that not sound generic or just painting with too broad a brush, I would tell you this morning that some are in this very house, this very moment, by faith. You came not because all was well, You came not because the enemy didn't try to do everything within his power to change your mind, to create distractions, to to take you somewhere else, but you are in this house by faith. You didn't come here to be counted. You didn't come here to be seen or heard of men. But we came by faith to say, Lord, I need to receive something from you today. Amen. And I intend, I intend to take something home with me. Amen. I will tell you today that you will, you will find what you're looking for in this service, in this church, in the leadership of this church. If you're looking for good, you'll probably find that. If you're looking for bad, I promise you, you'll find it. Amen. So I want to come looking for the right thing. I need God to touch my mind. I need Him to touch my heart. I need Him to touch my eyes. I need Him to wipe the lens through which I, the prism through which I look at life. I want God to touch me in this day. Without a doubt, mountaintop experiences. I hope you know what I mean when I refer to that. They're wonderful times. Those seasons of blessings, those times of And so faith brings us to where we are. Mountaintop experiences. That's where I was. Mountaintop experiences. I'm thankful for them. We have some of them, all of us in our history. We can talk about 
times where the Lord has blessed us beyond measure, has ministered to us in such a fashion that it was hard sometimes and is hard for us to quite uh, translate that for someone else. And so we sometimes summarize those testimonies by saying, well, you just had to be there. You would have had to have been standing in my shoes. You would have had to have been walking through my situation to truly and, and, uh, and, and well understand, comprehensively understand it, those mountaintop experiences. I hope the Lord never takes those away. We need those. But here's something that every one of us know. Amen. That God, we understand that our walk with God does not always lead us to a mountaintop. And there are times when we have to walk through a valley, a valley of uncertainty, a season of dryness, those times of leanness. Amen. Those, when those seasons come that we cannot even feel the presence of the Lord. Amen. I want to say this again because I want everybody to hear it. Amen. Those seasons of time when we cannot even feel the presence of the Lord. Well, how could the Lord be indwelling and us not be able to detect His Spirit or power or presence? Amen. There are times it seems as though God just said, I'm going to step over here. Amen. I don't, I know that He never leaves us and never forsakes us and never leaves us comfortless, but there are times like Job when He could not find the Lord. It's in those seasons that we have to understand that God has this in His hand, has me in His hand. Amen. He will be my God. Amen. He will be my God. He will be my guardian. He will be my help. In the depths of despair, Job remembered that God still loved him. In Job 23 and 10, the Bible says, But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. God knows where I am. He knows what is going on in your life and in your situation right now. And when I come forth, when I come out of this, when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. When he reached a place where there was no inward feeling, when he got beyond the warm and fuzzy comfort of the presence of God, Job had to walk by faith. I will tell you today that while a Pentecostal experience is a very emotional and demonstrative walk, there are seasons that we just simply walk by faith. And then when the answers do not come in a timely fashion that is sometimes desired by our own human nature, we need not despair. I need to let faith take control and faith have the wheel, so to speak. Let the hand of God lead me and guide me. Again, the writer of Hebrews 11, 11 and 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. From the beginning of time, from the very beginning of time, man has struggled for an adequate definition of faith. There are times when we are somewhat perplexed as we try to explain faith. Therefore, it is essential for you and I to just allow the Scriptures to speak to us. To begin with, the writer of Hebrews placed faith in a present tense. The Bible says, now faith. Amen. Faith is. Faith is. Amen. Faith is a present thing. Amen. It's not something stored away in the catalog of someone's memory. It's not just an old testimonial hymnal, so to speak. 
It is not relegated to the parched pages of yesterday, but faith is a present thing. It is a thing that motivates us here and now. And so after establishing the, the tense of faith, the writer moved on to the substance of faith. The Greek word for substance means essence or assurance or confidence. Faith then is a guarantee or faith is a promise. It's a pledge of something that is hoped for. I'm speaking today to men and women who have both reached by faith and you've received that promise by faith. And I'm also preaching to people today that still have that arm extended in reach. Amen. That promise is not coming to fruition, but you're still serving God and you're still walking with Him because we understood that we're living by faith and not just by what we can see, feel, and touch. Amen. We are walking by faith. And so after, after establishing the tense of faith, amen, we talk about that substance, that assurance, that confidence. I'm glad that I can have confidence in Him. Faith is a guarantee. It's that pledge of something that I'm hoping for. I've got my mind made up. Finally, the writer of Hebrews says it is evidence. The Greek word here means proof. This casts an interesting light, an interesting light on the evidence of faith. It is that inner proof of things not seen. Although we don't understand every step uh, the way which we must walk. Although we don't really understand every step that I'm going to take. And sometimes we feel very uncertain and guarded and hesitant in our steps. But we know that what God has promised, He will perform. And so we move by faith. Consequently, we leave all those matters that we cannot comprehend to the mind of God and to the hand of God. He doesn't always fill in every blank. We certainly can say amen to that. He doesn't sit down with us ahead of time and just say this is how it's going to be. But He lays something upon our heart and in our spirit. And so we have to leave those matters in His hand. I've preached messages by faith. Many of them. I've preached messages by faith. I had to understand that even though the end result was not what I had anticipated in my own heart, maybe what I had not, it was not what I thought in my mind, I had to just, we had at some point to end the service. We had to dismiss the service. We had to all go home. The blind didn't see. The deaf weren't hearing. The crippled hadn't taken up their bed and walked. Amen. But the word went forth in faith. And so I'm just going to have confidence. I'm going to leave that in the hand of God. I I deliver what the Lord had for me to say. And so I'm going to let everything else be in the hand of God. Faith in our heart and faith in our lives produces a good report. Amen. Faith produces things in us. Among those are a good report. Matthew 16 and 13, the Bible says, When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? That's an interesting question. We wouldn't really think that someone like Jesus would be all that concerned about what the common person would think of Him. I mean, you know, we could just think He would be above that. But everything was given to us for an example. Everything was given for us to contrast our lives against And so Jesus said, I want to know, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? He was concerned about what people had to say about Him. 
And I want to tell you today boldly, we had better be concerned what people think about us. We can form the opinion, it doesn't matter what people think. And the moment that you do that, you are, you are wetting the fire of your testimony horribly. And so he thought about those of his inner circle. He wanted to understand what they thought about him. When he asked, he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. What do you think about me? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. But you see, Jesus wasn't just concerned about what those in his inner circle, if I may use that term loosely. He wasn't just concerned about what those in that inner circle thought about him. But he said, I want to know what those outside of this circle think. I want you to know this morning, I want you to, it matters to me what you think about me. That really does. I'm not using this as a matter of convenience. It matters what you think about me. But equally in my heart, it matters what people think about me when I walk outside of this building. When I don't have a microphone in my hand, a Bible in my hand, or a tie on, or a suit on. It matters what people think when I walk into a place of business. And it ought to matter to you what somebody thinks about you when you walk in. Amen. Those outside his circle. This is what some had to say. The people of, De- of Decapolis said, He hath done all things well in Mark 7.37. That's what people, the general public said of that man. I don't really understand everything that he says and preaches, but I'll say this, that he hath done all things well. As a matter of fact, from what we may deem one of the most least likely sources of a positive report, you remember Pilate. That, that Jesus stood before Pilate. But let's think about what Pilate's wife had to say. Pilate's wife said of Jesus, He is a just man. Now you've got to understand that Pilate's wife was exposed to the law of that day. Amen. I'm very confident that the dinner table chatter and the talk in their family was much along those lines because that's how Pilate spent his days. But she pressed beyond just the train of thought that was in their family and that was in their family makeup. And she said this, I perceive that he is a just man. As a matter of fact, she admonished her own husband not to even get involved in this situation. He is a just man. I will tell you today that the list could go on and on and on of not just those within, but of those without that said he is a just man. He is a man that does all things well. However, the point is simple. That in the mind, in the life, and in the ministry of Jesus, both those within and those without had a good report of Jesus Christ. In his instructions to Timothy, Paul, that great apostle, stated that a bishop must have a good report of them that are without. And so today, if you're going to dismiss yourself from the office of a bishop, that's all right. But I'm going to tell you, I believe anybody that is baptized in his name and filled with the Spirit ought to live by this same creed that we need to have a good report of those that are within and those that are without. When they see us coming, they ought to be able to say, there comes a man of God. Or there comes a lady of God. There comes someone that exhibits a Christ-like mentality and nature. Amen. The Word, the Bible says in Hebrews 11 and 2, we are told that by faith, that by faith the elders obtained a good report. The word elders here means seniors. The word elders means seniors. And so that speaks of those who have been through many life experiences. And so through faith, the elders, the seniors, 
Those who have been through many life experiences. Amen. Those had a good report. Now think about this. The elders, those that have been bruised and battered by life. Those that had drank out of the side of the cup that represents victory. And also those that have been living long enough to drink out of the other side of the cup and taste what the bitterness of defeat is all about. But yet they maintain something before men and, and women around them. Amen. That wit- Those cloud of witnesses, so to speak, that they obtained a good report. I'm going to tell you something. That good reports don't come to us through hit and miss living. Good reports don't come to us by on again, off again, here and there. Good reports come to us by getting up every day and walking the same every day before all people. Amen. I'm talking about walking by faith this morning. I, I didn't just think about God because it's Sunday and it's my job to be here and i got to preach. But I'm going to tell you that yesterday morning I wanted to be knelt at the same chair that I was knelt at this morning. And about the break of day saying, hey God, I need you to go with me today. I want you to know that I love you. I want you to know that I want to serve you. I want to do everything that I can today to be led by your power and presence. Unless you think I'm boasting this morning, you're misunderstanding me. I'm telling you this today, that we all need to get up and we need to walk past that altar and kneel in that altar before we make our way out the door and say, God, I need you today because Somebody's going to be walking with and looking at me. And this is a walk of faith. A walk of faith. Praise God. They don't come our way easily. Good reports come by years of consistent living for God. Amen. Hebrews 11 contains a partial list of godly people. Through faithful living, they earn a good report. Their name found it to the pages of history forever to be labeled or titled or whatever you want to call it. Many, many Bibles at the heading of Hebrews 11 refers to the 11th chapter of Hebrews as the roll call of the heroes of faith. That may even be a, a heading in your your Bible. Through faithful living, they earned a good report. Their name was etched into the rock of time and history. And I want us to consider just a few of those today as we move forward. The Bible talks to us about Abel's sacrifice. Faith, you see, deals in specifics. It deals with the issue at hand. For example, sacrifice is a Christian responsibility that requires a motivation by faith. Where there is no faith, there is no meaningful sacrifice. And so Abel sought to give God his very best. God asks no more or no less from any of one of us our very best. A sacrifice by faith carries with it no ulterior motive. I'm not here doing this so that you'll bless me. I'm not here doing this so that you'll recognize me. There are no strings attached. Amen. Isn't that, aren't those always wonderful gifts? When there's no strings attached. But isn't there a great feeling of hesitance when you know someone's giving you something and there's a string dangling from it? You can see the string, you just can't measure how long it is. And you don't know, you don't know what all this is going to involve and what all is going to be caught up here. But God is looking for that sacrifice where there are no strings attached. We're just doing this because we want to do it. Amen. No reward in return. 
And by his acceptable sacrifice, Abel's faith provided him a good report. Enoch had a testimony in Hebrews 5 and 11, or 11 and 5, excuse me. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. In this instance, the Greek word for translated means to transport or to change sides. Amen. What a beautiful typology of the rapture of the church. I'm going to tell you that by faith, the church is going to be transported or the church is going to change sides. Amen. By faith. The latter portion of Hebrews 11 and 5 says about Enoch, for before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. The word testimony comes from the Greek, which means to have a good, honest report or to be well reported of. You ever ask the question, well, what about Joe? Do you know, do you know Joe Smith? And in great difference to any Joe Smith that may be here today. Do you know Joe Smith? And when someone's countenance, immediately if they know them, their countenance gives it all away. Their countenance, when, they, when it's a positive thing, I sure do. But when you're asking about somebody that's got a questionable character, there's a little bit of hesitance. Well, I don't know about him. I don't know about old Joe. Amen. And so I want to have that good report, this good testimony. The word testimony, that means to have that honest report or to be well reported of. And can I tell you today, somebody's reporting on you. <laughs> Somebody's reporting on me. It's not going unnoticed and it's not going unsaid. Somebody is reporting. And so with that definition in mind, it seems apparent that our testimony is not so much about what we may say while we're here, but it is what we, our real testimony is what others say about us beyond this, the scope of just being here together today. Amen. And so I want to make sure that I have a good testimony. Not just what someone in the ranks of the church think, but I want to have a good testimony beyond these walls. Amen. That's what was talked about. Amen. About, about Enoch. He had a good testimony, a good report. Noah was a man of great reverence. There are many things that could be said about Noah, of course, but perhaps no one in history ever manifested more reverence toward God than did Noah. God flashed a warning about a flood. We can relate to that today. But Noah had no idea the magnitude of what God was talking about. He flashed a warning of a flood, and by faith, Noah began to heed this warning. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 and 7, By faith Noah, are you ready for this word? Moved with fear. Moved with reverence. Amen. He moved with reverence, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. I know this has been taught, preached, talked about, testified about, considered from every conceivable and possible angle. But it bears mention again That for decades, that for decades Noah was preparing the ark. There had to be those that 
that uh, ridiculed. There had to be those that misunderstood. He had to be the topic of many, many dinner conversations. But you see, by faith inside of Noah, there was such a reverence for the voice of God. Amen. That he knew, I have heard from God. And so I am going to move with fear. Amen. He, and the Bible says this, that of Noah's faith, that Noah's faith condemned the world. Condemn the world. It should be evident that faith and reverence of the church, amen, that the church will one day condemn the world. We may not be able to see or understand that today, but I'm going to tell you, your faith right now, what you're doing right now, what you're exercising right now, will one day condemn the world. Amen. Another, another honorable mention among Hebrews 11 is a man by the name of Abraham. Abraham is noted again for many things, but let's highlight his obedience as it is in Hebrews 11 and 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he, which he should have to receive for an inheritance, obeyed and went out not knowing whither he went. We think about this. We read about this. We preach about it. You hear about the preaching of it. And generally we somewhere in our heart all respond to that. By faith he moved not knowing where he went. And as, and as long as that's bound up in Hebrews. And as long as that is only talking about Abraham. We're very, very comfortable with that. But I'm asking you how would we respond if God moved upon our heart today. To get up and move as Abraham. Amen. That he should receive for an inheritance. Amen. The Lord just told him about a place if you will leave your father's house and if you will follow me I will take you up to a place a land that flows with milk and honey and by faith Abraham got up not even knowing where he was going but he went anyway where are you going I don't know how long is it going to take you to get there I have no idea but I amen I am challenged in my own heart today it seems foolish in a, on an intellectual human level for someone to begin a journey without knowing their destination. But I will tell you that when God called, He went without asking for details. Amen. Moses' parents, Amen, what great courage they shared. What great, what great courage they displayed in the face of an unthinkable charge that had been mandated by the ultimate authority of their land. It is evident that faith surrounded Moses' life from the very beginning. Moses was raised in an atmosphere of faith. His faith and courage was not something that was an accidental birth in his heart, but it was something that he grew up knowing all about. His parents possessed these virtues long before he was born. I don't think it was the decree that caused them to all of a sudden have faith in God. I think something was already there. There was a courageousness. There was a dedication that was already there. Amen. I, I know that today is Father's Day and we'll talk a little bit more about that a little bit later on. But we all, mothers and fathers as parents, have a great deal to do, we are very responsible for the shaping the course or the nature or the path that our children will follow. I know that we can't make children do right. We can't 
force them into doing right things, especially when they become of age to make their own decisions. But what I do want to do, amen, what I do want to be responsible for, what I do want to be noted for is to leave a well-worn path, amen, down the right way. Amen, I want to leave a well-worn path to the foot of the cross. I want to make sure, I want to make sure that when they need to find their way, they're not going to have to beat the bramble bushes back, but it's going to be a well-worn path. I, I try to say, I try to say this often in my morning prayer to the Lord. I'm thankful for parents. You can inherit your parents' eyes or, or their characteristics. You can, you can inherit their hands or their feet, so to speak, or the shape of those things. A lot of DNA that, that, that brings a lot of things into our life from our parents, but you can inherit spirit spiritual things. You can have a praying mother, but that won't make you a praying person. Amen. You can have a godly father, but that won't make you a godly father. Amen. So I'm thankful for my heritage. And so this is what I try to say. Lord, I'm thankful for that well-worn path. Amen. I'm thankful for a mom and a dad and grandparents. I'm thankful for aunts and uncles and cousins. I'm thankful for people all around me and Sunday school teachers and youth directors that they kept a path beat out to the cross. They kept a path beat out to the altar. And I'm thankful for that. Amen. By faith, these courageous parents hid Moses for three months. These parents were, were following the leading of the Lord. In all generations, and especially in the one in which we live, there is a pressing need for mothers and fathers to exercise godly faith and godly courage. We need this ingre- these ingredients in helping make our home a sacred place, a safe place, a holy place. Moses' parents recognized their son was no ordinary child. So it seems that faith of, the, of Moses' parents was shaping and molding and at least contributing to this young man being in a position to be chosen of God. In this light, it could be said that faith and the courage of one couple shaped the destiny of an entire world. Amen. A mom and a dad that said, we're going to hide him. A mom that said, we're going to place him in this bassinet. We're going to pitch it within and without. It's just a little miniature ark. And we're going to push it out into the Nile River. That mother had no idea the magnitude of, of her faith. That mother and father that had hidden him for these months. Amen. That mother and father that pushed him out into the water had no idea. That mother had no idea that in just a a little while that baby was going to be placed right back into her arms. But now she was going to have far more responsibility. Far more responsibility than just feeding them and nurturing him and clothing him. Amen. But the Bible says that she was given that child back to nurse him. My my wife spoke several years ago on Mother's Day. And what a pointed example she left all of us. And I'm not trying to be crude or unkind. But when that mother was holding that baby in her arms, she had the privilege to whisper in his ear Amen, you are not an Egyptian Amen, you are a Hebrew I know what's around you I know the culture that you're exposed to every day but I'm going to tell you the divine hand of God of that mother that placed Noah in that Nile River was the same hand of God that plucked him out and placed him back in his mother's arms and now she said I've got the responsibility but it's a responsibility spiritually 
I got to tell you, Moses, you're going to be exposed to Hebrew. You're going to be exposed to Egyptian culture, but you're not an Egyptian. And I'm going to tell us today that we need to have that same kind of courage as mothers and fathers that you are in this world. Amen. You are in a world that can that can influence you. You are in a culture and a society that can influence you. But I'm going to tell you, the moms and dads that are living by faith, we need to whisper into the ear and to the heart of our children and tell them you are not an Egyptian, but you are a Hebrew. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hey, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. We are in this world, but not of this world. I'm talking about living by faith. Living by faith. Praise God. Praise God. The Bible talks about Joshua in Hebrews 11. Here is a man that understood the definition of perseverance. The Bible says in Hebrews 11.30, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. Note the latter portion of that verse because that's important. I understand the importance of the first half. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. We love that. But we struggle with the part after the comma. After they were compassed seven days. They fell. But but it, it took some time. It took some effort. It took some energy. The 21st century is an age of instant gratification. And why, why wouldn't we be expecting things instant? You walk into a restaurant when you were not able to be seated right away. How long is it? Five to ten minutes. And we look around like, I don't know. I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can hang in here for this. <laughs> wow, I pulled the right illustration out of that bag, didn't I? She started talking about food. You got everybody. Everybody. But why wouldn't we expect everything instant? I mean, we no longer now have to take film out of our camera, drive all the way to Walgreens, drop it off two or three days, go all the way back, pick it up, only to discover then that several pictures that you took didn't take. Several people had their eyes closed or their face twisted. Or We know that now. Instant. Take it. Look at it. Does it look all right? It looks all right. Boom. We've got color printers. We've got we've got uh, the paper that you print the pictures on, and just boom. It's right now. Right now. We've got it all. We've got it. And so, in this age of instant gratification, that bleeds into our spirit. And when God doesn't answer when we think He ought to answer, when things don't happen when we think they ought to happen. There is a real insecurity in our spirit that assaults our mind and our faith. But I'm going to tell you today that Joshua was a man of perseverance. Amen. God can and does answer prayers instantly. Yes, He does. However, if God chooses not to answer instantly, that does not mean that our faith has died. That does not mean that God is mute The walls of Jericho did not fall down after the first day's march. As a matter of fact, they didn't crumble 
on the evening of the sixth day either. It was not until the seventh day of marching and until the city had been circled seven times on the seventh day that the walls fell. But you see, Joshua's faith in God led him to victory because he persevered in doing exactly what God had told him to do in the beginning. And then we come to this mixed bag of Hebrews 11. The Bible just says, others. Others. Now the water gets a little muddy here. Up to this point, you can preach Hebrews 11, and people will just stand on their head and stack pennies. But when you get here, the water gets very, very muddy. There's a lot of uncertainty. Who were, who, who were these others? That's a question that often plagues our mind. These great heroes of faith, both in their failure and, and in their triumph, we know their names. We can go back and read about them. We can trace their history. You can find many of them books that were just single-handedly written about their life and their walk with God. But these others are nameless and faithless because, you see, it's not who they were that helped them find their place in history, but it's what they did that helped them find their place in history. The trials and the persecution they faced would make us shudder today, but because their lives were led by faith, they endure these horrifying storms. Their faith was so real and their hope was so sure that the Bible says this of them, that the world was not even worthy that they would walk among us. So it's not important who they were. It's important what they did. It's not who they were that landed them in Hebrews 11. It's what they did. It's what they, it's that, that, that they walked by faith and not by sight. It's that they held on when everything, including life itself, was being snatched from their hands. Amen. Walking. And living by faith. Faith provides understanding. According to the teachings of Jesus, someone may see and hear and yet not understand. And so intellect does not necessarily guarantee an understanding of Scripture. When Philip asked the Ethiopian eunuch that all-important question that still, for the most part, echoes through time, Understandest thou what thou readest? His reply is the same reply. How can I except some man should guide me? And so I will tell you today that you may not be able to just open this book and with intellect alone be able to comprehend and grasp every part of it. That's why I said, that's why God said, I'm going to choose the foolishness of preaching. Amen. Preaching to deliver them that are lost, to save them. Philip was not an ordinary man. He was a man of faith. He was a man of a faith teacher, if you please. If you please, true understanding comes through faith. You know, there are some things that we need to, the Spirit of God to help make known to us. Amen. That simplistic truth that kind of brings it down and puts it on the middle shelf. I could ask you today, and and there would be very few that have not experienced those aha moments during church, during the preaching, during the teaching, when all of a sudden the Word of God was just made real. there, There it is. It wasn't about intellect. It was about something that grabbed a hold of our faith and blew across those coals. And all of a sudden we got it. And I understand it. I see it. I have talked to people in Bible studies that... 
I have talked to people in Bible studies that, that said of the Scripture, you know, before, before this moment, I could not even see that. And now every time I look in the Bible, that's all I see. That's all I see. There it is. There it is. There it is. By faith. By faith. When we think about the creation of the world, no human witnessed the creation of the world. Attempts have been made and not a few to explain how the world came into existence. Some today embrace and teach the theory of evolution. What a feeble attempt to explain a creation without a creator. Amen. So then how does a man or a woman of God embrace the concept of creation? Amen. The Bible says, here's how we get it. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth by faith. That's what I'm holding on to. By faith. Amen. By faith. The Scripture declares it, and faith refuses to doubt it. John 1 and 3 said, All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Faith. Faith. John 1 and 10 said, He was in the world, and the world was made by Him. Therefore, faith in the Word of God is what gives us the ability to embrace the entire story. Amen. We have spiritual responsibilities today, and I'm closing. We have spiritual responsibilities. God's Word gives to the believer His job description, if you please, and the things that are expected of Him. I don't pretend to have an exhaustive list before me today, but I can tell you that a part of our responsibilities is to recognize that, that, that we have spiritual responsibilities to God. Amen. Then we have to understand that we also have spiritual responsibilities to others. And then I have to understand as well that I have spiritual responsibilities to myself. From the elders to the unnamed heroes of Hebrews 11, it really and truly, if you read it from beginning to end, reads like a who's who in the hall of fame of faith. Faith is that element holds the Christian fiber together. Through faith, individuals have won wars. They have subdued kingdoms. This is in Hebrews 11. They've seen the dead raised to life again. They stopped the mouth of lions. Still, they cannot be made perfect without a blood-bought and a spirit-filled church. The church that has obtained the promise must also champion, be the champion of faith in the, in the closing days of God's grace. I want today to not ever fail to declare the importance of God's infallible, unchanging, irrevocable word. Faith brings us to a place of peace and contentment that cannot be enjoyed outside of His power and spirit. Amen. Faith in God's word makes mankind's guideline in an unbelieving age. Faith. I'm just going to hold on to faith. And so today we are living and walking by faith. How did you get here? Faith. How did you survive? How did you make it? You know, we're looking for formulas and how-tos. And we're looking for something mystical. But you see, the answer is right here. How did you make it? How did you make it? And can I tell you that in, I'm not sure how heaven is going to unfold. It is as much a mystery to me as it truly is to anyone else. But I, I believe, and I, I hope I can say this and it come out right. I know that we hold this book in our hand. And we read about these, these true marvels of faith. Men and women who just, 
who just, their lives have inspired our lives. But I've just got to feel in my heart, if you can receive this in the spirit that I say it in, that, that when we get to heaven, there's going to be generations that have gone on before us that are just as mystified that we made it. They're just as, they're, they are just as intrigued by the faith that you have exerted and exercised in your life. And so when they ask you, like we would ask Rahab, how in the world, Rahab, did you have the courage to do what you were doing? She said, we had heard about their God. We had heard about their God. And so when some would ask you, how in the world did you make it? We're going to be able to hold up this blood-stained book and say, it was faith in this. It was confidence in this. Hallelujah. Let's stand, shall we? Amen. We're living by faith. Would you slip your hands up today? Can we embrace His Word this morning? Amen. Can we ask the hand of God, the power of God to change us and transform us in Jesus' name? Praise God. Praise God. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.